What's good? The Zagitator, the only New Age healing and occult podcast inspired by the works of Takashi Miike and Shinya Sukamoto in fan service anime. Today, we're talking about Way of the House Husband with our good, our dear friends, Reverend Django Bones and Kurt from the Soapbox podcast. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. I'm doing awesome. Good to be here. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, this is f- funny that this took, um, what is it now, 98 episodes? Because y'all are extremely agitator adjacent, like in the fam. So, like, but it's good to have y'all finally, finally appropriately on the show instead of just in spirit. Damn, 98. I was hoping for 100. Man, I guess I'm not as cool. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we kept trying to, I thought y'all were trying to push it like that. You kept coming up with, you know, Oh, this bullshit excuses. Yeah, some some (laughs) bullshit excuses like (laughs) going to the hospital and shit. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Two family emergencies is a lot. It seems like we're just trying to push it. But you know, it had to it had to happen. We couldn't drag our feet any longer. (laughs) Ninety eight. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't send any more animals to try to take out my mom, so Is is that what happened? Was it an animal thing? Oh my god! Uh, it is this is the fucking craziest thing. She was uh, she was driving on this little this highway in South Georgia, and she was behind a slow like a slow driver, and so she pulled into the next lane to get around him, and there was an alligator in the road. What? <laughs> yeah, it was an alligator, and her uh, left wheel hit its skull, and that flipped her car. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Yeah, so to flip the car, she bounced off the the guy she was trying to pass, and then ended up like the fucking car was sideways, like in the ditch, like up, like up on its side. It was is fucking crazy. I don't know how either one of them survived it. It was nuts. But yeah, it was a fucking alligator, which is the weirdest. And then um, there was a little detail about her her childhood that I com- completely forgot is that she kept a pet a pet alligator as a kid. They, they had an alligator and like and like a t- my mom is is from the fuck the name of her town is Willacoochee, Georgia, which that's that's a real place. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, so she she apparently kept a, a pet alligator in like an old fridge or something. I don't know. And I, so, I, so as a kid, so I told her I was like, well, what they did is they they put a hit out on you because you you stopped taking care of that alligator. You, they, you stole that alligator and you didn't take care of them well enough so they put a hit on you it's just they're cold-blooded it just took years for them to finally get back to I, I was wondering did this alligator get flushed down the toilet at any point and now <laughs> i don't know now I it's grown know what the fuck. <laughs> maybe it escaped i don't know how now i yeah it's just weird real country shit <laughs> from where she and did that alligator for sure die I don't know. Oh, these they are, can live a long time, can't they? These are important questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't they, can't they live over 100 years? I, I think so. Like, yeah. They're, they're related to turtles, right? So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're giant reptiles. We're just going to go with that. 
they live thousands of years. Alligators live about as long as humans, an average 70 years, but can be up to 100 years old if they can survive a difficult life that starts with biting and fighting that never ends. So <laughs> I'm on uh, I'm on Brave. That's my search browser because it's the one that Joe Rogan recommended. And it, basically it has a thing called Summarizer. So whenever you Google now a uh, chat GPT-esque, uh, language learning model, or yeah, will give you basically something sourced from the internet. The second sentence says American alligators can live up to 35 to 50 years in the wild, while captive allig alligators can live 70 years or even older. The American alligator is considered a species of least concern, blah, 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 blah. They are four feet long, or after they are four feet long, alligators are safe from predators, except humans and occasionally other alligators. I just learned so much shit about alligators. <laughs> oh, also uh, Lincoln Town Cars. That's the that's the other. Uh, yeah, those shit will fuck you up. You ever seen those videos, dude? Of like somebody will be filming on the highway, and uh, you know the the tread will come off of someone's tire, or even sometimes a, a whole wheel will come off, and a car rolls over it, and it does exactly what you were describing happening to your mother which is the car rolls over that rolling wheel and just launches. It's insane. Like just goes straight up in the air. Um, I, I, I haven't seen that, but that sounds, yeah, it sounds right. That sounds fucking terrifying. Yeah. It's basically hitting a speed bump, right? I yeah. Mean, if you, if you went over the speed bump in the Lowe's parking lot at 60 miles an hour, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be a fucking legend, right? I mean, <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like a dare, not a caution. <laughs> you got the, uh, you got the Dixie horn playing when you launch up. <laughs> <laughs> I just want, I would have loved to grow up in a place called Willa Coochie and I'd have had to come up with a game. Willa, Willa Coochie won a Coochie. <laughs> I, I think you're allowed to do that now. You can go for it. <laughs> yeah. Songs from there, so it's what happened? What'd you, you know, say, Rip? You know somebody whose mom's from there, so it's cool. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna tell my wife I got a new game. <laughs> I'm thinking about that alligator, like like I'm gonna get that alligator and make alligator protection amulets out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked, I asked like what happened to it. Someone definitely claimed it. They probably ate it. Is probably what happened. Yeah. <clears throat> Gator's good eating. Y'all ever had gator? I haven't. I wish I, I'd, I'd like to try it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's is, good. It, is it the same bullshit where they're like, it tastes like chicken? Uh. <laughs> Describing flavors is hard. It's, it's a real hard. It tastes like reptile. <laughs> you, ever had, you ever had snake? No. That's the problem. <laughs> 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 I I think uh, I think it tastes kind of like a cross between chicken and fish. Like it actually has like a fishy sort of something to it, but not like the taste. It's more texture. Yeah, yeah, fish texture and and kind of a steak. Is it is it like is it real flaky then? Like it flakes off real easily. Not not the kind that I had. Okay, not, it, it has fish. Yeah, not like. 
you know, it's not going to fall apart on you like some tilapia or something. Closer to like salmon then. Probably, yeah. No, I mean, not that, not that flaky. Even it's not that soft of a meat. It's more like like firmer, but it's it's still just got like a, I don't know, like reptile. Like that's the perfect way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. Like simpler feeling muscle. Like it just seems like it's older and ancient or something. Oh, um, I think it's, it's, probably- it's like tofu. I think vegans can eat gator if they want. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> well, reptiles well, and vegetables are the same thing. <laughs> yeah they're both green yeah <laughs> i mean in danish uh in the danish language the word for vegetable is just green thing it's <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's true yep i fuck with the danes what what are you over there laughing about Dadio? oh i've been trying to get a, a soundboard to work but i don't think anybody can hear it <laughs> no, no, I can't. I can't hear. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me. Do y'all hear that? <laughs> no, no. Oh man, hold on. Let me try again. Let me try again. I, I heard. <laughs> I heard boy. That's all I heard. Damn, this sucks, dude. I was trying to be funny. And it didn't work, but I was, because it didn't work, it made me laugh even more. Like the whole time y'all were talking about alligators, I was listening to guys be like, damn, that ass is fucking fat, you know? So I was, <laughs> I was just cracking myself up. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail the show. Just, having, just, just trying to have fun. I got to get a sound, I, gotta, I have to get a soundboard for the, for the show in general, because I want to be more behind the boards and adding in, you know, um, funny stuff you know just finding funny little soundboards that i can i don't know if you can do that on zoom but i'll find out how to do it so you just want to be you just want to be a morning radio show you want to be, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay that's 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 what i want to do with the show i want to have people you know uh you know if one of you guys says something like oh hey it's a good idea to to approach these these characters as potential new emerging archetypes i can be like God damn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then when you guys were talking and when whenever Kelby said, you know, I'm going to show my wife a new game called Willacucci, I could have done like a uh, sound effect. Yeah. Like that would have been, well, I'm telling well, you, you just did got, it, man. You don't need a yeah. soundboard. Just, just, I've got the vision. I've got the vision. I just need the technology. to <laughs> match. I'm like George Lucas with this show right now. I'm waiting for technology to catch up with my vision. You are you are the technology. Sure. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, I can do just that. Just make noises. Just be like that guy from Police Academy. <laughs> Re- rerun. <laughs> Was that his name? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> so um, I've got my brave, I've got my brave thing pulled up here for Way of the House Husband. Or wait, no, I don't. Hold on. Yes, I do. The Way of the House Husband is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Kasuke Ono. It follows the story of Tatsu, a former Yakuza member who retires from crime to become a house husband. The manga was initially published in the online manga magazine Kurage Bunch as a five-chapter limited series from February 23rd to March 23rd, 2018, but became popular enough to be serialized as an ongoing series starting on May 18th, the same year 
While Tatsu devotes himself to his new job as a house husband, the habits of a Yakuza ingrained in him still manifest in unexpected and comical ways. This show fucking whips ass. I wonder I wonder how different the actual manga is from the anime. I wonder if it's just as episodic and like almost like a sketch show. <clears throat> kind of like I mean the show feels like manga. Like it just it's just Yeah, like, I mean it's it's barely animated in many ways. My favorite thing is when something happens and it's like it's a verb. They just put the word in the in the yeah. on the screen with it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to need one of you guys to break it down for me, the show. I get the premise, but um, my knowledge of it goes as far as, uh, see, I'm not allowed to use uh, David's Netflix account anymore. Oh, no. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, brought, they brought up the, uh, who is this Kelby Lostack? Is he a member of your household? Do you want to keep him on the plan? And, uh, yeah, Rios was like, no. <laughs> we're not well it wasn't that. that it wasn't yeah it wasn't just do you want to keep him on the plan it said if you want to keep him on the plan you got to pay an extra 15 bucks a month and i i love you buddy but i don't love you <laughs> 15 dollars to the tune of 15 dollars a month no no and we're we're not we're not changing the the percentage splits on patreon for for netflix so <laughs> That's true. I'll do it for for seventy thirty split. I'll put you back on my Netflix. That doesn't even make sense. I'll just pay you fifteen dollars. <laughs> no, I like where your head's at with the percentages. I think you know we can we can split up this juicy three figure income. And uh... <laughs> I feel like I feel like what you should do is just uh, is just start a Zoom call and then just watch the Netflix through Zoom. <laughs> That's that would be so hey. funny. <laughs> <laughs> there we go it'd be, ju- it'd be just like having friends <laughs> oh it's too funny like screen share in the discord uh lounge and like do group movie time that's not a bad idea actually oh Could there are that. people that do that yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of i think what discord and twitch discord and twitch were mainly gamer platforms i think right so yeah people would would live stream their games and uh but yeah so for kelby way the house husband it does follow a former hitman uh or not hitman well yeah hitman he's he's called the impossible dragon or something like that and uh he gets out of the life by by killing a bunch of people and marries his sweetheart and then the comedy of the show comes in because he's a scary yakuza who has to do normal household tasks like you know go to yoga uh clean up the floor with a Roomba and he takes everything extremely seriously right so for example when he buys his wife uh the wrong anime dvd for her for her birthday he says I'll, I'll take care of it and he like starts to cut his pinky off he's like <laughs> I can, you know. but yeah that's that's basically where the humor comes from it's, yeah it's yeah go ahead it's it's surprisingly like like at first i was like i get the shtick and i felt like maybe this is gonna get old it just doesn't like it it's it's like a uh, chewing gum like you go through it and and it just feels like more and more uh i don't know for me i identified more and more with it as it went on 
Like, I think for, uh, for anybody that's like had a rough history and has some PTSD, the idea of like, you know, chilling out in, in your, in your thirties or whatever, and like, uh, being more responsible and, uh, and then like suddenly these tiny tasks are where your all your fight or flight like comes in. And uh and uh I don't know, it was really, really hit home with me because it's like living like a I'm living like a really normal kind of boring life uh from the outside, like that's how that would look. But uh but like weeds coming up in the garden is just like like insurgents, you know? Like it's like, like serious fucking life or death thing, like. The time I put in, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, I think so. I think there are a lot of people out there that would actually really like. It's hilarious, but there's just this deep resonance for anybody who has like real trauma that they deal with on like a daily basis, and how that like gets applied to things like I couldn't get the gift I wanted to get for my girlfriend or something like. And you just want to like chop your fucking finger off. <laughs> I just saw Jesus Christ, this big ass roach crawl across the floor as you were saying that, and I'm like fucking, yeah, same, same thing. <laughs> it's like oh the ops. <laughs> well, what's funny because there's an episode that is exactly that, like a roach comes in and it's like the biggest fucking nightmare for him. <laughs> He's trying to kill it. <laughs> like it all goes wrong i very much relate to the wife thing like disappointing the wife thing and i never really i don't know i never really thought about it outside of like i really want to please her or whatever but like i think overreaction because she'll say and i try to not i try to just be chill and be able to have a normal human conversation and it's okay when things don't go like they're supposed to but it could be from years of being like you never know when the little mistake you make is actually gonna like cost you a scary ride in the back of someone's car, you know? Like, <laughs> so I'm always like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It, it's like, can't fucking believe I did that. She's like, chill out. You just kind of cooked the steak a little longer than you were supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the energy of the show. Um, well, I the other the other the other side of it is like so he's still you know he looks like a the main character look tatsu looks like a yakuza so everyone in this in everyone reacts to him like he's still a yakuza and since he's since <clears throat> he's constantly talking about you know they all everyone listening to him talk to other people thinks he's constantly making drug deals because <laughs> of the language he uses <laughs> even though he's like talking about getting tapioca or something he's like i gotta get the white stuff and so there, everyone, everyone always assumes he's also doing doing nefarious shit. So uh, it is it, it's it's funny because it, it's going in both directions. It's he's trauma. He's like still reacting to things from his past life, and then everybody else is still reacting to him because he still looks like he did in his past life. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. You show up to daycare, and uh, people like. You gonna like always be the dad? It's like, what the fuck does that mean? Yes. <laughs> are there? We're we just like, do we need to put multiple dudes on the list? It's like, <laughs> no, no. I'm the dad, and uh, <laughs> ha happily married, happy home, 
I'm gonna be around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel that being the only like weird long haired bearded dude in Denmark, like <laughs> at least out in the country. I had a kid like uh um uh, really confused, like this young boy who's like in probably fifth grade or something that roughly that age, like ran up and asked his dad like what was going on because he'd never seen a guy with long hair before like not even on tv and i was just like <laughs> i felt like really like oh i'm that like i'm that obvious here like i look that weird to these people <laughs> <laughs> so what what did danes what did danes look like oh uh, like um everything's like really well manicured uh like trimmed they get haircuts over time they always wear new clothes they they throw shit out after they use it a few times to get a new one damn baller so they live like cameron diaz is basically what you're saying mm -hmm. <laughs> i remember when i used to move furniture i would deliver to basketball players houses in oklahoma city so people who played for the thunder I'd bring in their couches or whatever. And I was always amazed when I would be setting up a bed or dropping off an end table to look into their huge walk-in closets and see just floor to ceiling sneakers, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sneakers. And you have to imagine that, you know, I think it was Kanye West who said something about this, but yeah, they just never rewear sneakers, which is stupid to me because that's when the sneaker starts to feel good is when it's it's broken in yeah so, you know that that always uh as far as danish people are concerned i just the only danish person i know of is nicholas winding reffen and so i just assume they're all like him <laughs> or mads mickelson uh i'm watching i'm watching hannibal right now the tv show where he oh yeah plays, he plays hannibal it's really good yeah um, it is and it's the craziest thing because I was, they wanted to do season four. They wanted to get to Silence of the Lambs, uh, but they couldn't. And then NBC came out with a show called Clarice, East, yeah. which is about Starling, but it doesn't have Hannibal Lecter in it. So I, I was like, what the fuck is going on? This is super crazy. So the character of Hannibal Lecter, the intellectual property for his character is owned by, uh, I want to say... Uh, it's called Gaumont. It's a French kind of IP holding company. Mm. All the characters besides Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs are owned by Dino De Laurentiis. And, <laughs> and then uh, all the characters from the books Hannibal and Hannibal Rising, excluding Hannibal Lecter, are owned by Thomas Harris, the author. So whenever they try to make TV shows of this, like the Hannibal TV show was not allowed to mention Clarice Starling in the show. That's why Will Graham from Red Dragon just goes through the whole thing. And they they take little pieces from uh, all the books and inject them into the show, but they're not, they can't mention, um, they have Jack Crawford in it, but they, they just, they can't have any of the characters from Silence of the Land, like Buffalo Bill or anything like that. Because, yeah. it, but it's like, it's a movie about a, a cannibal and a guy who wears women's skin but they have the rights to the characters like they're Mickey Mouse. 
or yeah. the Avengers or something. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is the this is the stupidest shit ever. It's like you can the the loophole is you can have Buffalo Bill if he's teamed up with one of the other killers. So you so it's like an Avengers assemble thing, but you can't have you can't have solo Buffalo Bill. Yeah, but that's one of that's one of the reasons they had to cancel the show because it was costing them uh, $750,000 per episode to have the character of Hannibal Lecter in the Hannibal show. Damn. Sorry for the, sorry for the digression. No, no, that's, that was... that's kind of, that's fascinating. Like, all, I, I, first off, <clears throat> how the fuck did that happen? How did Thomas Harris, like... Dude, my, my assumption of it, it, because from the position of where where I'm at and Kelby's at with our books, I don't know, maybe you do this with your art too, but we're all like trying to make it work. We're, yeah. we're we're trying to figure shit out. So let's say you draw a character and somebody comes to you and says like, "Hey, I'll give you a hundred k for this for the rights to this character forever." You you would take the hundred k, right? With, with like without thinking twice. I know I would. But then that character becomes Mickey Mouse level huge. Huge, yeah. And then so everybody knows Kurt made you know asshole man or whatever, but. <laughs> He's not getting those residual checks for asshole man, right? Because he took, so I think I have to assume that when the film came out in 1991, the silence of the lambs, that was the Dino De Laurentiis uh, production company that did that. And the show, it's interesting because his daughter, Maria De Laurentiis is a producer on the Hannibal show, but like MGM and Gaumont and the De Laurentiis, they all have to like come up with a number for for what they what they think is appropriate and it manifested in this show clarice uh because this is what really got me interested in checking this shit out because i was like how in the fuck are you gonna make a hannibal lecter show missing hannibal like that doesn't yeah but they're they weren't allowed to not even dude this is where it gets so crazy not only were they not allowed to name hannibal lecter they weren't allowed to allude to him they couldn't allude to anything that he had been a part of and they couldn't replace him with another cannibal character. <laughs> what, what is the show? What is, what is Where's the do? show? Exactly. What, what's the fucking show at that point? Like, there is, there is no fucking show. So, <laughs> her doing paperwork? <laughs> basically, yeah. Well, hunting, hunting Buffalo Bill, they had, they had Buffalo Bill in it. Which, by the way, I rewatched Silence of the Lambs. And the revisionist on that is actually, it's actually not transphobic. Because they say in the book and in the movie, he's not trans. He just thinks he is, which mm. sounds sciencey to me. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> well, that was, that was back when uh, someone else had the authority to tell you, like, one way or another. That was back when, like, someone was allowed to psychologically assess you and tell you, no, you're not, or like even make that call. Like, that is no longer a thing. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> can't do that anymore can't do that pretty much whatever people say they are is what they are which fuck it i fuck with it that's fine um sounds magic-y to me sounds exactly yep sounds magic-y to me i am's what i say i am so the way the house has been highly recommended everybody should go check it out i want to talk though about the the reason for the season the main reason i wanted to get you guys on was to talk about uh what you wrote rap about about this show i'm pulling it up on my phone um you start off your essay talking about uh oh i still have my thing up here but uh 
Let's see here. It says something really funny, guys. You couldn't hear it. <laughs> I don't know it why it's really not funny. picking it up. I'm not. I have no idea why it's why it's not picking up. I'll link to this essay in the in the show notes. Um, but so you start off by talking about what you mentioned earlier about about trauma and how uh, you related it to the character, and then you go into something really interesting about new archetypes and. Uh, sort of the the chaos magicy aspect of using say tatsu as a as an as a as a spiritual figure as a spirit almost so i was wondering if you could just flesh that out for listeners your 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 thesis about this this idea sure sure um i think first i want to make it clear that i think like spirits and archetypes are different uh but I think that archetypes kind of arise as needed in the world and like as social structures and things become more complex and um, and ideas become more complex or in some cases more convoluted. Like we need um, new archetypes to sort of identify with, uh, to, to feel like our struggles make sense and, and matter. And so, like I found this to be like a really unlikely but really cool one um and to further that a little bit I think once an archetype kind of shows up in the world it is totally possible for a spirit to like inhabit that and then become a deity or something like that that's happened before there's been um I forget who it was I think it was Robert Svoboda was talking about um how there's this there was this character this like fictional um deity in a movie or something in India, and then it became a real deity that people developed a like a, a whole tradition around. And it's like that, yeah, because like a slice of the big hole or whatever can always inhabit like this smaller form, or like a, a spirit can choose to identify with it the same way that you do, except you're in your body, so you're you, but the spirit can like maybe take on an archetype as a body. Um, but I think this archetype was really cool because it's like, how, I'm, I'm sure that this this did apply in the past. I'm sure there were like um, men that came home from war and were injured, so they couldn't go back to war, but they had to stay and, and like help out on the fight. And they became just like more chill and more farming. And um, But there's, we, we didn't have mass media, right? Like there's, there's a different, um, and I think these days, real like traumatic experiences are just like a lot easier to find. Like there's so many more people everywhere and there there's so many more ways to to cause violence. Like we, you can just go find guns. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you live in the States, you can. Um, but so I think there's a lot of people that, that feel like that. And there's also a lot of like men, I think that that have a really rough time trying to live in this kind of um this really disconnected human world that we've created where like you you have the illusion of connectivity from from technology but your people are actually drifting further and further into worlds that are invisible and like exclusive to their tastes or interests or whatever um so yeah i don't really know where i was going with that but uh i think it's important <laughs> i think it's really cool that uh what um what 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 it's interesting because it uh, actually you bringing it up makes me think of uh two films that are kind of western versions of this 
um, and are and both of them are way less positive than the way of the house husband. And the two I'm thinking of are Unforgiven and The Hurt Locker, and that they're both uh, stories about men who came from very violent pasts and then settled down. Well, Unforgiven, he settles down and then eventually he returns to the violence. And then Hurt Locker is like, he's, he's, uh, he comes home from war right at the end of the movie, but immediately reenlists. Like he can't let it go. Whereas like Way of the House Husband is actually trying to make it work. Like the guy is actually, well, he's not just trying, he's actually making it work. He's, he's adapting to his new life, which I, I think is, uh, is way, way more fun and exciting in many ways. Yeah. And that's, that's important too, because it, it he's, he's really awkward in it. Right. And like, he's an eyesore everywhere he goes and he's like making a scene and scaring people and stuff, but he, he just keeps doing because it it's like this is the only option like I have to approach things this way it's all I know and like slowly like there's an episode where he tries to learn how to relax because he has this like this guy who was his underling when he was in the Yakuza and he follows him around and he realizes that the way of the Yakuza and the way of the house husband are connected and he he starts following him around and taking notes and uh becomes his like this little trainee and uh and then he's like, he needs to, he needs to relax. So he, he tries to take after him and he's like admiring his laziness. Like, he's just like, how does he do it? <laughs> feel that too, you know, the like, how do you, how do you stop when you know there's shit that needs to be done and like take time for yourself. But then like, I noticed towards the end of the season or like just into season two, I only got like a couple episodes of the season two. Uh, he, uh, he, does learn that and he's like giving that advice to someone else then about like do this and that and take some time to yourself restore your morale <laughs> yeah yeah i like it i've been thinking a lot about the different narratives that we're given and it's it, usually they're based around combat and fighting uh i've been reading you know, uh, well, Rune Soup, obviously, but then also I read Dougald Hines' book at Work in the Ruins and just this kind of idea that we need new stories that we can tell. And so House Husband is interesting in that respect because of the transformative integration element of it, right? The conflict and the drama of the show comes from trying to stick a square peg into a round hole. And it turns out it's really funny and really compelling to watch and you kind of don't need this bigger overarching conflict to tell the story yeah the, it's a it's an internal conflict it's yeah it's not it's not an outside enemy it's what well, other than the ones you imagine or, mm -hmm. or pretend yeah mm -hmm. um well i think i think also why it's more positive than the the those two films i mentioned is that he's actually transforming like he's changing the and unforgiven and and the hurt locker there's like a there's a sense that like you can't change like you you are just what you are and i think that's kind of uh that's another thing why i i really like <laughs> like the show um is, is him actually transforming and adapting i think mm -hmm. a, a positive message that like it is possible to change and it is possible to like stand up for your for you know you can't use violence to protect what you love like that that sentiment kind of thing 
Hollywood black money for like would never pay for that message. You know, that's why we get like you can't change, just accept what you are, like from Hollywood a lot, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My uh Rowan is really into this movie Wreck It Ralph. And um mm. I like I like it. It's really colorful. It's fun like it's a well paced movie and uh fun and everything. But the uh I feel I feel it does it in a more in a much less nihilistic way than like the Hurt Locker, but it kind of has that similar message at the end where like it, it follows a, a video game villain, and he is never accepted in his game world. You know when the lights go down in the arcade and everybody's just chilling, like he's an outcast because he's the villain. He's the guy who messes up the building and wrecks shit, and he uh goes to like this na sort of type of group circle of like other other villains from other games and everything and they're like trying to tell him it's okay to be you know we're bad guys but that's not that's not bad you know and uh that's kind of the lesson he learns at the end is that he's he is what he is he is a bad guy and uh it's it's better it's cuter than hurt locker (laughs) like i can't it's like i can't say but i don't know it's just that same it is refreshing to hear this 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 archetype of the uh, of the transistor the you Mm -hmm. know of the person actually in between that going through an actual change like that yeah I, i think that's a very necessary archetype for the the modern modern day mythologies what and then he's also actually using that that crazy intensity as that he had as a yakuza and he's actually becoming very excellent at what he's doing like that drives him to to like be very good at all the chores that he's doing like he's he's like a master at it because you know he he had he brought that intensity from his old life into this new one so like the lessons carry through which is which is also pretty cool um, yeah, I really like uh, the last episode I saw was uh, the one where he meets um, all those ladies, the, the yeah. eight dragons. It's like yeah. two in season two. And yeah. it's like, like, it's so cool because he's constantly like, I will pledge myself to, you know, he has that same dedication that you would have to have in, in the Yakuza and like, but he, he ends up doing it to this this women's club that are going to start allowing men in and the, they're all like masters of certain things and they go into like each of these old these ladies has like a specialty it's really cool it's like a like in a samurai movie like where they go around and show you all the badass characters <laughs> he like teach me you know <laughs> but he finds yes. something like uh, another organization to pledge himself to and like put that towards the um this reminds me of a japanese storytelling structure what we're talking about and it might help to illuminate the differences in something like between something like unforgiven and the hurt locker and way of the house husband so in japan and korea and china but it's mostly known in japan there's a story structure called Kisho Tenketsu, which instead of being a three-act structure that depends on uh, conflict to move forward, it's a four-act structure. And so it's divided evenly into four parts, the introduction, 
there's the development, there is a, a twist, and then there's the conclusion. So the twist doesn't necessarily have to be violent. But I think that when you watch Japanese and Korean movies, uh, Kelby and I have often talked about how they feel different, even if they do contain violence. You know, Kisho Tenketsu doesn't preclude violence. Um, but I think that when applied to something like Way of the House Husband, that it seems like every like mini episode is kind of set up that way. There's the introduction, development, twist, and then conclusion. Uh, and in each one, it doesn't require, it always has a resolution, but, but it doesn't require uh, a, uh, well, I'm trying to think of the word, a fight, right? Like a climax. A, a, a climax. Thank you. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> um, so anyway, I thought I would throw that out there too, as a perhaps what's going on with this show. I really like, that's really enlightening, actually. Yeah, because I didn't know that, but I'm, now I'm going to take that into my mind when I like watch everything now. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't like the whole uh, obligation you feel to like try and make everything uh, meaningful. There's like a lot yeah. of work I've given, I've given towards like letting that shit go and just like, no, like a story can actually just be a little snippet of time in a character's life and that's all it has to be yeah romance too violence and romance i i hate that's why we talked about john wick last week and one of the things i love about john wick is that there is never except for the initial romance he has with his dead wife there's never an attempt to add sex into john wick at all i'm not anti-sex i think sex in movies is cool but they where would they find the time to do that yeah, it's not what, about that. Yeah, yeah, they would have to divert from from killing hundreds of people to <laughs> to set up to set up a love story, and He's nobody like, fucking wants that. Hold on, I gotta get my dick wet. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but I think I think talking about fragments of people's life. I mean, this whole story structure is what I've started using in my own books too. Um, because I do think that it's just so much more freeing. You find out you can tell hundreds of different types of stories if you're not bound by this idea that at the end, two people have to fight or two people have to kiss or somebody has to die. Um, you can just, you know, for, for the cyberpunk books that I'm working on, I just kind of go. And then when I'm sort of feeling the book is over, that's when it's over. And then we'll start part three, which, you know, who knows? we'll see what people on Goodreads think about that. But um, I did want to read a snippet from the essay here. Uh, in essence, what was intended to be a funny anime playing on tropes about Japanese gangsters has become a thought form with which I'm working towards results of incremental healing. I often say I don't like chaos magic because it's like tourism all of the cuisine and none of the life ways, but perhaps this is my chaos magic. Because they absolutely did not know this show would be a profound tool in my spiritual arsenal for this time in my life, but they made it anyway, just because, and now it is so much more than a funny cartoon. I digress. To be honest, I'm not sure how this would be different than plain animism, now that I'm thinking about it, outside of employing something in a spiritual context, which was only meant for entertainment. This feels more like returning to a world where ideas are alive more than some kind of eccentric hack. Dropping down into the reality where it was never weird in the first place seems more accurate 
than stacking a bit of magic on top of materialism and calling it something else. Specifically that last point. Can you can you unpack that for me? I love that term, unpack. <laughs> uh, so we didn't, before a certain time period, we, there was no such thing as fantasy, right? Like all writing was looked at as like, this is a story. Um, there, I don't think there was as much of a thought to, did it happen or not? And I think that in those cases, you would just assume that these were some kind of real. And I think the, the separation that happens through materialism where we are trying to return to an idea of like spirits are real um, and we're clawing our way back to like that, the, the capital R reality of, of things um, bit by bit. Um, I think uncovering that is, is actually what's happening. But if you, if you say it's like, oh, it's chaos magic, it's funny, you're, you're invoking Superman, right? Like you can, you can get Superman to sort of show up if you invoke Superman, right? That's the whole like classic chaos magic example. But, um, but Superman is a lot like a deity. And if all you had was just a Superman comic, like I fully believe that the Shakti or the, the energy of the universe or whatever would fully animate that, that idea you had in your head as a god because it was the only, like the nearest one to you. Like if that's the one you have, then that, that's going to be your actual god. Um, and I think this, this, this idea wouldn't have come to me except for um, just getting into a lot more like um, Buddhist stuff lately. Uh, the, uh, the strictly animist model kind of um, kind of suggests that spirits are beings like people that are all more individual, or I think that's at least how people think of it. But I, I think things are much more wibbly wobbly. And um, I think there's really something to the, uh, the Buddhist ideas that we're, that like life as a whole is one being. And so any aspect of it is like also a part of you. Um, and I, I get where uh, there's a risk there of, of kind of falling into that um, psychologization or, or saying it's all archetypes, uh, all the gods are in my head or they're all just in me, but that's not true either. I think, I think it's more accurate that um, all the ideas have some kind of like reality and personhood. But if you panned out far enough, like we're all part of one organism. So I think it's, it's, it's a lot more reasonable to me now that Superman could become someone's God or Pikachu, for example, could become someone's God. Like, I mm, um, wonder where that, he got that idea from. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that episode you shared, uh, David, of uh, Ken McLeod, uh, he said it was the, the guy that was interviewing him said that one of his students like actually worked with pikachu as his personal deity in vajrayana yeah like and, thor is like a god of lightning basically yeah <laughs> and like, getting results and so when i heard it coming from a vajrayana teacher it hit different than hearing like grant morrison or some chaos magic person saying you know what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in 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 what way how did it hit different it felt more legit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested because you use the term stacking magic on top of materialism. So what, what does that look like? And, and 
why is that incorrect or like the wrong thing to do? Uh, well, I don't think anything's necessarily wrong, but I think, in, in my view, like right and wrong just amount to like what's closer to reality and trying to get closer to reality. But, uh, but I think it's like the difference between chanting prayers or mantra in your head all day long or uh, sequestering yourself off to a room to do your, your practice or your magic and then forgetting about it when you leave. I think there's like, um, you, can, you can make your spirituality uh, a hobby or you can recognize that like the entire point of being in the world is to accomplish certain things that are spiritual that you came here to do. And I think that like entire worldview shift um, it's a similar thing to what I'm talking about when it comes to like spirits and, and like step stacking magic on top of materialism. It makes it seem novel. It's, it, it makes it seem like it's an exception to, uh, the rest of reality, which is normal most of the time. And then sometimes magic happens, but it's like mm -hmm. everything that's happening all of the time is a complex entanglement of many, many spirit relationships that some of which are physically manifest at this time. Um, I think that's the best way I can describe it. That's a lot of my, um, my, my feelings about AI and my inability to like kind of interact with that discourse is where AI became a thing, a part of, a part of this world now. So, like, the uh, when it comes to art, like the argument for it or against it in art, it's like everything is a vessel. Like, I've seen Ghost in the Shell a million times, so like, I've already kind of reconciled my perspectives of robots and souls and shit. But like, <laughs> it's like you know, if the the same way that a a comic book, a Superman comic could embody be like a deity could actually embody that it's like you it, to me to me it, it's not that like uh oh that's cool we should have more things to take away from people's interaction with the soul and uh they can just automate it for us it's like uh, to me, it's more like, hey, instead of worrying about about the tool, you should like kind of be more concerned about your soul, like impian, like, are, are you a proper vessel? It's not like, can I compete with this technology? It's like, am, am I doing the necessary work to uh, be a more attractive vessel than an AI program for the for the idea, you know? Yeah, well, it's uh, as as like a working illustrator, um, I have I've, I haven't touched any of those AI visual visualization for Dolly or Midjourney or anything. The thing about it is that is that the a the AI quote unquote is really just it's a, it's like you're saying it's a tool it's a device. There's human souls at either end of that. There's a human soul giving the input for that thing to spit out. And then everything that that thing is taking and conglomerating together to make an image, that's all shit that other humans have already done. So it, AI is just like a really like complicated 
I don't, I don't know how much quote unquote intelligence it is. It's more like a really complicated uh, sifting machine that just takes parts and puts them together for you. And uh, I, I think, I think the thing to keep in mind is, is exactly what you're saying is that um, you're not handing something over to another thing. It's still a relation and you're still engaging with this and there's still, there's still uh, it's, it's just sorting things that humans have already done. So um, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what I'm trying to say with that, but, but it's very similar to what you're saying. Like, I, I think the temptation is just to give over everything to this machine, but it's like, it's like pulling a lever on a roulette machine and being like, I, I guess I just got to draw cherries. I think that's all that there is, 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 uh, is, is cherries that it gets spit out. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's very weird. Our, our whole interaction with this. And it's also funny that it, it's, it's chosen to it. They've chosen to focus on like creative things first. Like, like the whole thing that they were worried about with automation was like, driving cars and stuff but the whole discourse is now about creative like making music and writing and like it's like why that <laughs> that's such a weird thing to be obsessed with changing I think uh, they better they do randomness but like i think they have too many hallucinations to do like finely computational tasks at this time and i think that's why they're like well we can use them in creative projects if they're just spitting out random shit it's okay if something's a lie if it's creative. Mm, no, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, you don't want to be I... too random with an automated car. Maybe you don't, but that sounds really fun to me. <laughs> I just don't want just... to be anywhere around it when it happens. But... <laughs> I decided you're going in the trunk today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's funny. I was thinking the other day about this, and I think of all the things I've ever created, like I used to write a lot of music, and um, now I'm trying to write fiction and like prayers and things. Uh, all I was ever doing was the same thing the AI started. Like the, just a combination of that, uh, drinking a lot <laughs> when, when I used to write music and, um, and that was like a way of letting, like you're saying, like letting ideas come through, right? Like, I think the muses don't give a fuck. Like they just find like ideas come through whoever's ready for them at whatever time. And sometimes you're not, sometimes they're just like this guy and you're like, oh, I got so much shit going on already. I don't really need this one, but okay. Um, but they don't wait around for you. Like if you don't spit that shit out soon enough, they'll go find somebody else. And I think being ready for that, it's a it's an interesting question if the muses would speak through AI. Like if the whatever spirits inspire ideas in, in humans. Um, if like Kelby's saying, it's a really interesting question to me. Like, could spirits potentially see machines as a as a as a habitable vessel? Um, well, well well, I think my point is, is that is that the, it's not actually it's still going through the person, right? Because it's the person that's making the prompt that's then that the, then the AI is delivering on. So it's still coming through a person somehow. Like you're 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 having this, and it's also weird to me because like the most fun part of creative shit is actually that that very beginning where you're like 
at least to me is like that's the exciting part is like the generation of the ideas and, and that kind of weird that connection to source that happens at the very beginning of a project so it's kind of i don't know it, it, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out i like that part of the creative process too because that's when the idea is still good yeah <laughs> yeah it is then, it is a slow decay and yeah it dude just... i'm i'm halfway through this book right now and i'm i'm in the the hardest part of it which is where you've got you've got a whole ass book that's come before and you get to a point and you think oh man this isn't good anymore i'm running out of juice <laughs> how, how do i recharge i try to i've been doing this thing in the morning i wake up at four and I have blocked off three hours that are just for writing, you know, and the first hour is always, uh, dude, just feeling almost drunk because I'm so sleepy, you know, the first, the first few things of coffee and it starts to, starts to happen around 515, about an hour and 15 minutes into it of not looking at the internet, not looking at my phone but just sitting there, something starts to happen and then it goes and it goes. And then I'm rolling by about five 45 and then I'm done at six 30. It's 45 minutes of actual writing. And then the rest of it is just sitting. And I'm reminded of someone who said that there are two different types of creativity. There's the zero to one thinker and there is the one to 10. And the hardest thing is to be a zero to one thinker to get something out of nothing, basically. We know it's not nothing, but you know what I mean. The one to 10 is much more profitable because you basically sit back, you wait for the zero to ones to come up with original ideas, and then you're able to tweak them. Most things that we see in mainstream entertainment are derivative of an actual original idea that was too busy being original to be good. And then somebody basically takes it and and runs with it. What's up, Big Bubba's? You want some cheese? All right, I gotta go get some cheese. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you try you you try out your little thing with you know uh, something something sloppy like King of Comedy, and then you get a masterpiece like Joker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it, it's funny. I might I might say it slightly different in that it's. Uh, what was it JDO said successful? I would say like palatable is probably what like the, the oh yeah, the original idea uh, is too original. It's too busy being original to be good. I would say it's too original. It's too busy being original to be palatable. Mm-hmm. And that really original stuff is is uh, often there's a, there's a quality of really original work that throws people off that I've, I've, uh, I've seen this talked about in relation to even like furniture design. Mm-hmm. like when they come up with really new radical concepts for furniture design like there's uh i think famously with uh what is it the the aeon office chair which was this office you've seen it it's the one with like that has the mesh backing that was in like every fucking startup yeah. that existed mm-hmm. in reality they were like really expensive apparently when they first designed that chair and presented it to people everyone fucking hated it they were like this thing is fucking ugly what the hell what the hell's going on and uh, except for a couple of people, there was a couple of people that were like, this is amazing. And that's, and that would, they, they incorporated that into their design process because what they realized is like anything truly innovative and new, there's a majority of people that are not going to like it at first. 
but then there's but then there's a select few who actually you know have taste or maybe just align with what you like that they're they're the ones that really dig into it and then they're usually the ones that are gonna everyone else is eventually gonna follow them but you have to be aware that if you truly create something new and innovative there's just gonna be people that are like what the fuck is this this yeah, is not what yeah, i'm used to yeah yeah this is this is what uh, you know kelby and i gamed this system by uh many episodes ago coming to the conclusion that it's it's good when you're starting out in a creative endeavor to retell stories that already exist. So, mm-hmm. you know, do your version of Fast and the Furious, but do it with robots this time, right? For as an example that you might have heard of. Um, <laughs> the uh, because I think that when you get to say you have somebody like David Lynch, who's a favorite of mine, and you watch Mulholland Drive or The Return. You think, oh my God, this is so, this is so genius. Uh, you know, David Lynch worked for a really long time, even up to, even just to get to a racer head, you know, and then he was in a very different environment and he was able to, they let him cook. People let, I think, in fact, it was Dino De Laurentiis who let David Lynch cook for as long as he did to call back to Dino. Um, so if you don't have a patron like that, if you, if you don't have your, your Johnny Depp, who's willing to give you a penthouse and a salary to just cook, it's good to, to build off of things that already exist to practice that one to 10 thinking so that eventually, cause my goal is that when I'm really old, like in my seventies or eighties or whatever, that's what I'm going to like, that's what I'm going to drop the zero to one shit. More cheese, more cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what you're going to get is more cheese because you'll be rich as fuck from following that no um <laughs> well i think that's important too because if you have to be able to do both of those types of thinking i think if you're if you're actually like and honestly the the zero to one the one to ten is actually is probably more what where the craft and what makes you a professional it probably emerges more in that one to ten range because that like that's the like that's the dirty work of like, I actually have to edit this and make it flow. Or if you're drawing, it's like, I have to like clean this up and like rearrange things slightly. So that like, the, that's the grunt work of the shit. The zero to one is like, it's hard. And it's also the most exciting, but can also just be just spaghetti and marshmallows, like just weird stuff. That's like, like you, you, you take, it takes the one to 10 to like refine it. And again, make it palatable, right. To, you know, Oh, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it shouldn't be marshmallow. Maybe we'll put meatballs back in this so that people will like it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to the rest of this lovely conversation, plus gain full access to the archives, bonus episodes, read serialized novels on Yugen Junk Weekly, and gain access to the Agitator Discord over on Agitator Z. That's the $5 a month Agitator Z tier on patreon.com slash agitator.